Bruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Bruin Willow podcast. I am pumped you are here. I'm excited you're here. You know why? Because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, female sexuality. I'm so excited to share this with the world, this amazing guest that I have today. On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, erotica. Erotica is a tool. We actually talk about that today in this interview, how erotica is a tool for people and for couples. And she's a therapist. A therapist. She is. I am, I'm going to introduce her right now. Okay. Are you ready? Jordan Donnell. Jordan Donnell is a physician associate women's sexual health educator, intimacy coach, and speaker. She is the founder of the Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators podcast. In the podcast discussion with her, I kept calling it the three Vs. I don't know. That just stuck out in my head. I love the name of her podcast. Her goal is to raise awareness about conditions, sexuality, sexual intimacy, and relationships that specifically affect women. She wants to help normalize women's health and create a safe space for women to feel validated. She has been featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, Women's Health Magazine, and many other podcasts. She is a resident blogger for Four Play Films. She has helped many women overcome shame and have better intimacy with themselves and their partners. Now, and that being said, it's specifically towards geared towards women. However, what I want to say about that is men can listen to this too to help understand women. People with penises can try to learn more about people with vulvas by listening to this podcast. So it really is for both men and women or people with penises, people with vulvas, however you would like to say what's appropriate to you. And so I am really excited for this and I am excited to share it with you. But before we dive into that, I have a commercial about my book. This is an ad about my new book that's out. I'm so excited about it. Ruins Beach Getaway, A Spicy Age Gap Romance, book two in the Ruins Getaway series. This book has received five-star reviews, and I'm so excited. It just released on the 25th, and it's also available in paperback online on Amazon. It's only in ebook at this time, but the paperback is coming. But in other sellers online is available in ebook and paperback, and the audiobook will be coming um, probably later this summer or in the fall. Here's the blurb. Ruin and Sebastian are hitting the beach this time for their romantic getaway. Last time, the couple stayed the weekend at a cabin in the mountains and christened every room with their sexual experimentation. The beach gives them new inspiration for their affair and for their libidos. They've each brought paraphernalia to surprise each other. Their lust rages high, but their emotions do too. Although their age gap difference doesn't impact them in the bedroom, their relationship is proving to be more than a simple issue of mutual attraction. Their goal is always to satisfy each other's sexual needs, wants, and desires. But there are strong feelings brewing on both sides that throw the getaway into something beyond sex. Blending their lust is easy, but their emotions prove to be more of a storm than just a lovely day at the beach. 
This book contains spicy age gap, heterosexual sex scenes, and softcore BDSM acts. Now for a five-star review. This is from Amazon. Just loved it. Action on each and every page. Older woman and younger man, but they just click. They aren't afraid to experiment and try things between themselves and other people. They just click together and they realize they have strong feelings for each other, despite the age difference. Great read. Thank you, Helena Mitchell. What a wonderful review. Here's another one. Five star. Kathleen Buffon on Amazon. Charming, romantic, suspenseful page turner. Excellent book and great characters. So worth reading, and I look forward to reading more from this author. Oh, I love it. I love reading these. Please get my book. It is on Amazon, and it is on online sellers like Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Apple, so many. I'll put the links down in the podcast notes to them so that you could easily find them. And I'll also put Jordan's links down in the podcast notes so that you can easily find her. She's also on Instagram. On Instagram, Jordan Donnell is her name, Jordan Donnell. And this is how you spell it, J-O-R-D-A-N-D-N-E-L-L-E. And you can find her podcast, Vaginas, Volvas, and Vibrators, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get into this amazing, I mean, this is an amazing interview. She's so knowledgeable. She's so open. I just had a blast. She's a lovely person. She has a lovely voice too, so you'll enjoy listening to her. She is just, I'm just amazed and I am like, wow, you are amazing woman. I just think you're fantastic. All right, let's do it. Let's go. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, let's go. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to talk to this woman. I am so pumped. She is just absolutely amazing. She's also a podcaster. Woohoo! <laughs> I love talking to other podcasters too. Her name is Jordan Donnell, and she is a sexual health educator. Welcome, Jordan. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am so excited to chat with you. And being a fellow podcaster, your podcast is it sounds very interesting. I love your title, Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators, three Vs. Yes. It's all about women's health and sexual wellness. So what brought you to want to do the podcast? That's a really good question. So I started my journey a long time ago, way before the podcast ever happened. In like middle school, I was kind of always the girl who my friends went to for their sexual health questions and mm kind of what was going on with their body, STI questions, plan B, all of that, birth control. I was the friend that went with to the appointments. And then when I got introduced to a sex toy company and sexual Mm. wellness company in my early 20s, that is when I really learned how much is out there, but we don't really have the information readily available when it comes to our bodies, how they function, intimacy, sex, all of that. So that was kind of my first exposure to how much more we could be learning. And then I became a PA, a physician associate, and Mm -hmm. we did our two-week model on women's health. And I'd always been interested in women's health prior to that. But what I found is that there's so many women's health conditions that we are not aware of in the community. 
And we think that it is normal and okay to have pain with intercourse. Mm. We think that it's totally normal to go eight years without a diagnosis for endometriosis and all of those different conditions. And so what I ended up doing was starting on a platform on Facebook for my clients from my business, Mm -hmm. doing educational talks about different health conditions that affect women. And they loved it. And they're like, you need to make a podcast out of this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And that's how it happened. Well, what's so great about that is, you know, on the menu, on the podcast, people can scroll through and forever see all your topics and easily access them. Yeah. Which is so cool because it lives on forever. Yes. I mean, what a great thing. And, it, and I just love how it's just really easy to see, you know, that each title and it's just right at everyone's fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get all of the information that you want about your body right there. Yeah. That is, you're doing is so needed. I mean, I just feel like the state of sex ed in our country, in America is just mm-hmm. horrible. It's just awful. And it's really sad. And some other countries are doing it better than we are. Yeah, it is. It's sad. And I think that um, people like us who are out here educating and sharing are going to help change it for the younger generations to come so that they don't have to necessarily go through what we went through and have those, wow, have those skills earlier on. Absolutely. And just, yeah, just the knowledge. I mean, knowledge is power. You know, if you think that it's normal to have painful sex, that's really, really a sad statement that, that really makes me sad. Yeah. And to think that that's how it's going to be. And, and how damaging is that to intimacy? I mean, that's just devastating. Right. Right. And there's so many conditions that cause pelvic pain, potentially painful intercourse. Yet a lot of times when people go see their provider, they are maybe dismissed or mm-hmm. not dealt with. And that I mean, we have to get the word out that you can continue to advocate if you feel like what you're experiencing is not normal. Right, exactly. And, you know, there's also some people feel shame or embarrassment to talk about that. So, you know, it's just really nice to, you know, your podcast exists so people can like investigate it, maybe listen first and then maybe bring it up with their provider. Yeah. And to build that confidence so that they have a little bit better understanding and maybe know what questions to ask their provider or how to start the conversation even. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were talking about the sex toy company, what type of toys did they have? And did they like blow your mind? I mean, what was, was I actually love sex toys. I think that they're so helpful to learn your own body and Mm -hmm. enjoy with your partner. So I'm curious. (laughs) Yeah. So this company, they had bath and beauty products, relationship enhancement items, as well Mm -hmm. as adult toys. Okay. And that was not my first experience with adult toys. However, That is kind of where most of my toys have come from my entire life because I worked with them for about 10 years. Mm, And it was your your standard clitoral dual action Mm -hmm. uh, G-spot type toys. Nothing special, so to speak. Right. Do you have a favorite sex toy? Not not necessarily having to be their type, but do you have a favorite one? So I love my womanizer. Oh my gosh. I keep hearing everybody talk about this one and I don't have it yet. <laughs> yes. It is a game changer. It's for me. I keep that in my like special occasions drawer because it's so mm. good. I don't want to use it all the time. Right. You don't have to wear out because they're pretty expensive, right? Yeah. I would say that most high quality toys are going to be a little pricier, but mm-hmm. you're paying for the quality, you're paying for the texture, and you're also paying for the longevity. So mm, yeah, I 
would probably say your best bet is not to buy a $10, $20 one off Amazon and actually go for a little bit higher quality toy. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I I have a mix of both and I have even in a short amount of time, I even have some of the cheaper ones that have actually died. And you know, it's kind of a bummer if only gonna last a few months, you know. Yeah. My my favorite toy I think lasted probably about five years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, one of my old favorites, I guess you could say. I have a lot of favorites. I have a huge collection. So there's, <laughs> there's some for different occasions. You know, you have yeah. the non-vibrating wand for my self-pleasure practices. You have the womanizer for my holy cow mind blowing <laughs> moments. And then you have just your regular clitoral toy for like the everyday, just trying to get the job done. Right. Right. So I just am so curious. I want you, will you tell me with all of your knowledge, describe what a female orgasm is and how does it happen? Ooh, that's a good question. So there is a lot of controversy over the exact definition of an orgasm. And there are a couple different models. There is like the three-phase model. There's the four-phase model. There's a lot of different theories out there. It's hard to say exactly which one is, quote, correct. And I think that each woman responds differently. So you may Mm -hmm. fit a little bit different of a uh, theory than I fit. The This one four-phase model is usually excitement, plateau, orgasm, and then resolution. Mm. And the excitement is kind of that foreplay, the body starts breathing heavier during this time, the vaginal canal is lengthening and widening to allow for penetration. And then you kind of plateau and everything's building. And then you have the orgasm, which is essentially a release, an energetic release and can look different for everybody. For some people, an orgasm is going to include like leg shaking, toes curling, Mm -hmm. vaginal spasms. For other people, they may not experience it the same. And I think that really having awareness about how my orgasm can look different than your orgasm helps us understand that our bodies do all work differently and our experiences are all different when it comes to sex. Absolutely. And and this, so that brings me to a, a thought, a question really. So I feel like I have different kinds of orgasms. Is that like in my head or is that potentially real? Uh, explain more when you say different kinds. Well, different like sometimes I feel like my body does different things than it does mm-hmm. other times. Um, and I feel like, oh, it's so hard to describe. Like sometimes I have the contractions and sometimes I don't, but I still feel like I had an orgasm. Yeah. And I think that that is totally normal that each orgasm is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And okay. think about how if you are having clitoral stimulation versus maybe dual action or penetrative stimulation, mm-hmm. you're stimulating different things. Therefore, true, you true. Would kind of expect may not feel exactly the same as the other. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so women need to be aware that it's not, it may not feel the same way every single time. It may not, your body may not do the same things every time, but that doesn't mean you didn't orgasm. Correct. And I find for me too, that sometimes I would say I have like really great orgasms. And then there's other times where I was like, meh, that was fine. And that's normal. It's totally normal to not feel like they're all at the same level. Yeah. I feel like that too. The strength varies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even within the same session, that can happen. You know, with, with multiple orgasms, I feel like even within the same session, some can be really super strong and some can be more weak, but they still feel they still all feel like an orgasm. 
Yeah. And I think that really focusing more on the pleasure that you're receiving Mm -hmm. is more important than necessarily the orgasm itself. Yeah. Are you receiving pleasure and does it feel good? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Right. I think that's super important. And, you know, that brings my brain up to the orgasm gap because you can still be enjoying even if you haven't reached that point. But, you know, that's another thing I think that people are still learning about is that not everyone really realizes that there is an orgasm gap. Huge orgasm gap. And Mm -hmm. have you talked about the orgasm gap on your podcast before? I have. I have. I've had a few other people that brought that up. Yes. Yeah. So kind of just a general background on it. I'm sure they can listen to the other episodes, but the orgasm gap is basically that uh, in heterosexual male-female relationships, the men are more likely or the penis owners are more likely to have an orgasm like seven, I want to say it's like 70% of the time versus women or vagina owners are a lot of times having like closer to like 10 to 20% having mm-hmm. an orgasm with their sexual experience. And there's a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, my percentages could be a little bit off, but I know that there's a very big difference between the two. Yes. And so that needs to be paid attention to. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, erotica can help set the mood, help yes. get everything ready because really the next orgasm starts when the last one ends. Right. Yes. And so if you are using all these different tools, using toys in the bedroom, that's going to help decrease the orgasm gap and increase your probability of having an orgasm with a sexual experience. 
I really love that you called erotica a tool. I totally feel like it's a tool, whether it's for solo play or with a partner. And yeah, it can just be used in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. It'd be so beneficial. I recommend it to a lot of my clients as a resource. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, there's so many different ways available and erotica is one of those. And it definitely stimulates for a lot of women. You need that mental stimulation and erotica is a great tool for that. Oh, absolutely. In so many ways. I mean, just anything from, you know, wanting to expose your partner to something you're interested in or something that a way to talk about something that you maybe is a fantasy, not that you have to do that fantasy, but opens up things even just as a, for a discussion point. Yeah. Yeah. I love to use sexting as another tool for Mm, talking about what you may want to explore, but I know for a lot of relationships, communication is a huge barrier to increasing pleasure. And these are different tools that you can use to say, hey, this sounds really fun. Maybe I'd want to explore that or play your erotica and say, hey, what do you think of this experience to kind of gauge, okay, does your partner potentially have some interest in that? And that is such a great way to see what they may or may not be interested in as well. Right. And, you know, there's, hey, there's a lot of fantasies out there that maybe some people call dark, people feel shame about. And, you know, maybe erotica is a way for them to approach that topic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm curious, why did you get into writing erotica? Well, I, I write under my real name as well, as well as Ruin Willow. And I write, <clears throat> excuse me, I write romance there. So for me, it really wasn't that much of a stretch to go from writing just plain romance to adding in the spiciness of, of more a sex scene, you know, like <laughs> making it more intense and more just sexy and steamy and just really juicy. Yeah. So that's why I spread into it because I just wanted, I wanted that extra oomph in my romance that I was writing. I love that. And the reason I was curious is because I think that some people get into erotica to write their fantasies. Yes. And mm-hmm. Have an outlet to explore yes. and stimulate themselves too. I think that's totally true. And I would definitely say that I fall into that category as well. I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. a great way to explore your own sexuality. And, you know, in, in doing this the past couple of years, my sexuality, I just feel so much more open and I've shed a lot of shame and embarrassment. And it's just, it's wonderful to me to get to this point where it's, I'm more open. I'm exploring. I'm not judgmental. I just, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I, there's a recent statistic that I saw that women who are talking about sex are having better, greater, or like better sex more often. Mm -hmm. And so doing more erotica, I'm sure has had an impact on your relationships and intimacy too. Right. Right. And intimacy. I want to touch on that too. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that if people are having sex and their intimacy is less, how would they, what are some things they could do to improve that intimacy in a way that isn't so scary or daunting? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of different ways to approach this. And what I find in particular, I primarily work with women. Mm. What I find is that they a lot of times are disconnected from themselves, which mm-hmm. makes it hard to connect to a partner. So something that I love to use with my clients is like a self-pleasure meditation, 
Mm. where you are really learning to connect to yourself. Because if you're not connected to yourself, you're going to have a harder time connecting with somebody else on an intimate level. Right. And by being not connected to yourself, is that meaning like ignoring your own needs, wants, and desires? Is that one way you would describe that? Definitely one way I would describe that or also just not maybe in tune with your body or like Mm -hmm. during sex, Mm -hmm. feeling very dissociated. Oh, sure. Okay. And not present or in the moment. Right. I feel like really too, sex toys can really teach people about their bodies. So if they're, you know, if women are feeling that way, I know so many women though are actually scared of them. Yeah, they are. And ironically, I am somebody that's on the other end of the spectrum where I have a bunch of sex toys, but using my own hands has been something Mm. that I used to be kind of afraid of that I had to overcome. Oh, yes. I can understand that. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, I started at 15 with a sex toy, like very early age, I had a toy, mm-hmm. but sex toys are a tool. They are not going to replace your partner. You know, I hear that all the time. Partners are concerned. Yes. They're going to leave them. Nobody left somebody for their toy. First. Of no. All. <laughs> Second of all, like we still crave the the intimacy and the connection, but they can help us understand what feels good for us. Yes. Especially when people have shame. So, you know, you've got that block and it can be hard to to know what does pleasure me. If you don't know and you're uncomfortable with your partner talking about that, a sex toy alone is a perfect way to start that process. Yeah. And our partners are not mind readers. So if you don't know what you like, they're not going to know either. (laughs) Right. Yes. You talk about your hands. Like I had a very negative experience as a child in relation to masturbation. And so I, I was, oh gosh, I don't know, probably in elementary school. And I was so excited. I ran up to my mom. My mom was a nurse and I was so excited. And I told her, mom, it feels really good to touch between my legs. And she looked at me and said, you shouldn't be doing that. And that led me to do is to not want to use my hand. So I became a grinder. (laughs) because I was, I was following, you know, she quite a bit of damage probably didn't realize that she did, but you know, I thought, oh, shouldn't be touching, but I still wanted, I still craved that. So I became a grinder. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like, my hands were not something I used to masturbate for many, many years until I got over that. Yeah. Yeah. And grinding is still a very pleasurable experience. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's a definite, but, definite thing. Yeah. And and I can totally relate in that I probably did not have my first orgasm with my hand until I was in my late 20s. I mean, I, I texted a girlfriend to celebrate because I was, had never <laughs> experienced that before Yes, and had never tried really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's terrible what shame does to us, doesn't it? That's just yeah. heartbreaking. In shame especially in our society is a huge problem when it comes to sex Mm -hmm. and intimacy. And there is so much shame about maybe somebody's desires yes, or like what you like and shame about STIs. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just so many, so many layers of shame when it comes to sexuality. And, you know, parts of shame can be beneficial if it is someone's kink and it's in a role play safe environment. That's a totally different thing. (laughs) Totally different. Exactly. What do you tell people that have that shame? That's, I mean, how do people work through that? I mean, you know, I know I did, but it's a tough thing. 
I think that you have to really relearn what is quote normal for you and Mm -hmm. really sit down and rewrite the stories you've been told. Yeah. You know, so many of us, for me, like growing up, I felt that sex was for my partner's pleasure. Right. And mm-hmm. I had to rewrite that story that I too can receive pleasure from sex. Yes. And that, that's so many, common. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But there's so many little stories like that that we have to go in and reteach ultimately. Yes. It, it, heartbreaking to be told that you shouldn't be enjoying your body. <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It's, I think it stems from our lack of education early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially, you know, in our school system, what happens is, is that we focus on male anatomy. Yeah, exactly. Penis anatomy. And we don't talk about female or vulva anatomy. Yeah. And that starts the shame from very early on or day one. Oh, yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, for young girls, they're like, my body isn't talked about it. That must mean it's not important. Yeah. Or, I mean, even think about periods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much shame around our menstrual cycles and flow yes. and, you know, PMS and all of these things where early on we are taught to dissociate from our bodies and the natural things that they do. Right which makes it really hard for us as adults who are trying to relearn these things. And we have a lot of work to overcome. Absolutely. I feel too, like in sex ed, it's always talked about, oh, you know, the man needs to ejaculate for reproduction. Mm-hmm. And there isn't much talk about how important the woman's body. In fact, the woman's body is more important. The woman's body grows the baby. So <laughs> it's all just like so bizarre that, it's like the male part is just totally glorified and the women, I don't know. It's just sad. <laughs> I hope well, it changes. Speaking of like male ejaculation, I think when it comes to sex, so many times sex is determined to be over when the male right. partner ejaculates. Right. However, that is not the case. Like they no. don't have to ejaculate. Right. Um, and we just have this, I guess I would say very narrow mindset what mm. sex is because that's what we were taught. And yes. unless we go back and change that in our head, then that's kind of what we know. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings up a question for me. <laughs> Ooh, yes. What is squirting? Is it pee? Oh, yes. I love this question. So no, <laughs> squirting is not pee. Now it is possible to have a little bit of urine in the fluid, but it's not pee. There have been some studies done where women take medication that changes the color of their urine. Oh, I am blinking on the name of it, but it's used to treat UTIs and you kind of usually get orange urine with it. Oh, wow. And if you have them squirt, it is not orange, but their pee is. And so it's further proof that squirting is not pee. That's very intriguing. Wow. How much that is great proof. <laughs> yes. Yep. Wow. Well, that is just mind blowing. I've never heard it described that way because I've asked a few other people and they, you know, they've said the same thing too, but in a different way, like that P could be in there. So, cause it actually comes from, what did they say? Does it come from the bladder? So it's going to come from the urethra, which is where our urine is going to come out of as well. 
mm-hmm. but you are stimulating. There's a couple of glands in there that are similar to the prostate glands is kind of the easiest way to explain that. Okay. And that is where the fluid is believed to come from. However, there's very little research done and very little information known about how this anatomy works, that this is kind of one of the theories that is believed. Some people potentially have different theories too. That's very interesting. And for women, I mean, you know, like women even realize, someone I talked to said that can be a different amount for female ejaculation. Mm-hmm. How does a woman know if she's squirted or not? So usually you're going to feel it. You're going to feel kind of a different sensation. It can be fluid wise anywhere from a little bit to lots of fluid where maybe a cup or two or potentially even more. So it really just depends. And everybody's experience is different with that as well. One thing that I found very interesting is that you can squirt without an orgasm. Wow. So some people will squirt and then not have an orgasm. Some people may squirt and then have an orgasm and Mm. some people may orgasm and then squirt. And so it all just depends what your personal response is like. That is very interesting. So they're completely separate. And does it tend to be more clear? Typically. Yeah. Okay. It could be clear, but it could also be kind of like a cloudy white as well. Okay. So in a way really for a woman to only really know is that they feel it. But if you don't know what it feels like, it's kind of hard to know. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Or maybe like if your partner observes it or if you're Mm -hmm. able to observe it. Mm-hmm. I think that it can be a little bit difficult to really identify if that is what's happening. Okay. And obviously it's pleasurable, right? I mean, it's may not be an orgasm, but it's pleasurable. Well, you, we not necessarily, think, but not necessarily exactly. Oh, Some people okay. are not going to find that experience pleasurable. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I have heard some people say that if you feel like you have to pee <laughs> to let go of that feeling so you can squirt, do you think that's bogus or do you think that's an accurate statement? That is an accurate statement. And a lot of times before squirting, you're going to kind of have that feeling like you have to pee sensation. Okay. One way to help kind of mentally with that is go to the bathroom before Mm -hmm. you have your sexual experience so that you know that your bladder is empty. Mm, And so then you know, oh, I have the urge to pee, but I just went. So then you know mentally that, oh yeah, it's not urine. Right. Just enjoy the sensations. Because yeah, I mean, you know, if you're not sure what's going on with that, you don't want to like pee your bed. (laughs) Right. You know, like you don't want to just like release pee onto your bed, you know? So that's, and if you don't know how much is going to come out, it's a little bit daunting. Yeah. One thing that I recommend is a squirt blanket. Have you heard of those before? No, tell me. So Yoni Pleasure Palace offers a squirt blanket and it's a waterproof blanket that's machine washable. So a lot of times for women in, let me take that back, women who have concerns about how much fluid they are producing, Mm -hmm. they will have those, which helps mentally kind of reduce the thought. That's not the right word. Let me think of fear that fear that you're going to pee the fear of, or like even the fact that, Oh, I got to change my bed afterwards. Yes. If you have something like that, it helps you relax in and enjoy the pleasure as well. But sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're thinking about, okay, now I'm gonna have to change my sheets and my bed and this and that 
it takes away from the moment too. Right. And one thing I want to point out, you can squirt from a sex toy or from with a partner, correct? Because it's a bodily function. Yep. So it can be partnered. It can be solo, toy, hand, whatever works for you. Usually it's going to have some type of G-spot stimulation associated with it. Not always, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times the G-spot is going to be what really stimulates that sensation and potentially produces squirting. If a woman has sex or uses a sex toy and then has to go to the bathroom, do you think there could potentially be holding in a squirt fluid? I think it's possible. I don't have any research or data on that, but Mm -hmm. I do absolutely think it's possible. And I think, you know, when you go to the bathroom afterwards and you may not have experienced this, but it kind of is difficult to start your flow. You know, maybe, maybe there is some correlation there. It's hard Mm. to really say. Okay, sure. And then I want to bring up porn because I've seen so many, I've talked to people that say that the way they portray squirting and porn is just completely ridiculous. Yes. Porn has kind of created this image of what squirting looks like. Mm. And kind of like any type of porn really is going to do that with any type of experience that you're watching. But every squirting experience is going to be unique, I guess you could say. Mm. Uh, And that they're not all going to look like what's on porn because the reality is the sex that we are having does not look like what's on porn 99% of the time. Right. Because it's entertainment. It's not, I mean, not that you can't learn something from it, but it basically is entertainment. It is entertainment. And you know what they do for some of the like squirting episodes in particular, there's a device that they can put in the vagina that Mm. they somehow press or there's something that they do that is a rush of fluid. So it's not even actually squirting. It's this uh, illusion of it. (laughs) Way to create falsehood, huh? Right, right. (laughs) That's kind of sad. When then some people say that want to induce a woman to squirt and then that like is some sort of like goal, you know? Yeah. And I think that there is, especially because of porn, there is a lot of focus on trying to get a partner to squirt. Right. What I find a lot with myself and the women that I work with is that when you put pressure on a particular body function, whether that's squirting or orgasm, Mm -hmm. that a lot of times that makes it a lot more difficult because now for me, especially I'm more in my head. Yeah. Takes away from the entire experience. Uh, Oh, absolutely. I can see that. And it it just kind of ends up ruining it. Well, that is a bummer, but it's good that people know that. And so they don't, you know, it's good to put out there so people know that you see on porn is not necessarily what's actually, (laughs) what's actually happening, that it's not reality. Yeah. And there are different types of porn out there. You know, there's ethical porn, which is going to be produced a little bit differently a lot of times. True. And so it just depends on maybe where you're sourcing your porn from, but a lot of Mm -hmm. what you see, those are actors, those are actresses Mm -hmm. and they are creating entertainment for us to consume. And you have to remember that. And porn is a great way to get ideas of what you may want to try or what you may not want to try. But again, you have to realize that it's a production. Yeah, exactly. And I also think of it as also like erotica. It can be a tool if both partners are comfortable with it. It can be a tool for that arousal period. 
Yeah, exactly. I just started writing some stories for an ethical porn or erotic film site. So I've really been loving it. Who are you working with? I'm so curious. Frolic Me. Have you heard of them? Oh, no, but I know Foreplay Films is also one who has some blogs coming that I've been actually writing blogs for. Oh, nice. I haven't heard of that one. I have to write that one down. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, the Frolic Me is out of UK. So, and the reason I hooked up with them is that I interviewed an erotica author who is also their editor and she asked me to write for them. And she is also a sex toy inventor. So she's really quite amazing, all these different things she does. So that's how I got involved with it. And I just love their films. They are so sensual. It's just amazing. Is it amazing? I love that kind of, love that kind of porn. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to check them out. I had to write it down because I am not familiar with them, but there is so many different types of places to source your porn. And I think that it actually brings up a really good point in that sourcing your porn from an ethical place is encouraged. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paying for your porn. Cause again, these are people, they're actors. Um, Even if it is ethical porn, they may, depending on the company, they could be set up in a situation where I had a lady on my Lotus Lane was on my podcast where she kind of talked to me about this, but they do like a roommates edition where there's 12 people and then you just watch it naturally fall into place. So sometimes you can see a little bit different types of experiences that are more Mm. natural like, Okay, Um, but yeah, there's so many different places to get your porn at. There are, I feel like it's just getting better and better and there's just more options out there. You know, it's a some women, traditionally, I feel like some women are turned off by porn more so than men. I I find for me personally, porn doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, again, we all experience things differently. Yeah. And for some individuals, they may love it. It may turn them on. It may get them going. For other mm-hmm. people, it's not going to do the trick. Right. Yep. Yep. I think it's, you know, be open to trying it. And if it isn't for you, then you, then it's not. But I think we just need to shed that judgment of people who eh, it would shame others for watching it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's like trying everything once. If you, yeah. unless there's a particular reason why you absolutely refuse to try something, mm-hmm. I strongly encourage giving things a try once because you may find that you absolutely love it but you limited your pleasure potential and wouldn't experience it for whatever reason, whether it's porn, erotica, butt play, we could go on and on about the different things uh, that people choose to potentially include or not include in their intimacy. Oh, absolutely. But I think, you know, that really starts with, I mean, you need true intimacy and trust to even like, especially if you're hesitant about something. Yeah. And I think building a relationship where you, have that safety Mm -hmm. with them is so important so that you can share your desires. You can share things that maybe you haven't felt comfortable sharing with anybody else who is not going to judge you for what you may want. And I think that's essential. Absolutely. What do you say to couples who have completely different sexual fantasies and they're having a hard time meshing? I think one thing that I would recommend is maybe sitting down and doing a want, will, won't list and see what Mm. areas 
can you overlap in mm-hmm. and maybe kind of explore both areas at maybe like quote an entry level, but explore a little bit of both. Because like I said, if, if you don't know, if you've never experienced it, mm-hmm. you may find that you really like that. And same for your partner. They may find that, oh, I've never experienced that, but you're right. That was really fun. Or that does feel good. Right. Absolutely. So I was scrolling through your podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. What exactly is erotic blueprints? I wasn't able to listen to it yet, but I was just like, what could that possibly mean? What does that mean? Yes. I love talking about the erotic blueprints. So there are five different blueprints and it's similar to like the love languages. That's probably mm. the easiest way to explain it in that you have your five love languages and you, you know, you have your primary three. With your erotic blueprint, there is sensual, sexual, kinky, energetic, and then shapeshifter. And depending on which one you are, it helps you understand your sexual desires more, but Mm. also helps your partner potentially understand what types of experiences you prefer as well. So for me, I'm a sensual, which means that I like the music to be right. I like the temperature Mm -hmm. to be right. I like the smell Mm -hmm. to be right. I like the satin sheets, like all these types of things. And if something Mm -hmm. is off, that can kill the mood for me. Gotcha. Okay. So you're all about the feelings and the environment. Yes. Yep. Where like my partner, he's into more of like um, his is kinky. So Mm -hmm. um, being mindful of that, like I may not be kinky, however, he likes kinky experiences and being open-minded to understanding, okay, this is how he functions better. Mm-hmm. This is what sure. he needs to have a better experience because mm-hmm. we're having sexual experiences to pleasure each of us. Right. Right. That's the goal. And mm-hmm. so I want to do what makes my partner have more pleasure. And then, you know, same with our partners. A lot of times they want to do what is going to bring us pleasure. And that is such a great tool for understanding where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a relationship or sexually. Oh, absolutely. And kink is a great place for us to go in the discussion now. What do you say to people that are wanting to explore a certain kink? Like what guidance do you give them? So that's a really great question. I am currently exploring sexy Dom. And <laughs> what I have found very helpful for me is talking with my friends. For a couple of reasons, one of which is because we are in this space, the sex educator space, mm-hmm. we've also kind of had similar experiences, but what I would recommend is books, courses, different programs that are out there, do what you can to maybe learn about it, maybe get mentored by somebody who has done the thing that you're looking to do. Mm. Those are all great ways to learn more about it. Sure. Sure. There are different apps uh, here in the States, like Field, F-E-E-L-D, that if there's something in particular that you're looking to experience, you can kind of go on there and find somebody who's willing to be the recipient or participate in that type of activity with you. hmm. And so there's different ways that you can kind of explore this if that's something that you want to. So you said that's Field, F-E-E-L-D? Yes. Oh, I've never heard of that one. That's very interesting. It's kind of a connector for for people. Yeah. It's essentially like a dating app, but Mm. with like what it's it's more sex positive based. Okay. That's very interesting. Hmm. I hadn't heard of that one. (laughs) 
I saw another really interesting thing that you had on your podcast. I think I saw it on your podcast. How can someone heal trauma with a kink? Yeah. So I had a friend of mine come on, another sex educator or sex coach come on. And for some people with kink, you are able to kind of explore and rewrite the stories that we were talking about earlier. So Mm. for some people, like a daddy daughter kink might Mm -hmm. be one that they want to explore. Maybe their relationship with their dad was not, uh, maybe there's something that they want to heal from. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be a really safe place to heal that relationship and maybe rewrite that story and maybe go back to say the age of 12, when something happened, you can rewrite those stories with your intimate partner in a safe way. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. That sounds like a great tool. Yeah. Some people use kink, you know, there's a thing called subspace, which Mm -hmm. is a place that you kind of go where you are in this space, like an out-of-body experience, I guess is the easiest way to explain it. Mm -hmm. And the, I believe like the subspace can be very healing for some people. I could imagine that. I mean, in subspace, kind of like you're conscious, but not, I guess I don't read about it and I've talked people talk about it, but it's kind of, it seems kind of ambiguous. Yeah. So I am not super familiar with subspace. That's not something that I personally have explored a lot of. Mm -hmm. My understanding of it is more so like if you are being tied up, you have no control over what's happening and it's forcing you to just quiet your mind and Mm. be in the moment. And you can kind of just shut everything off and just feel that's kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. And I've heard that too, that some people have that desire and because it's kind of like it helps them shed their shame if they're actually forced, you know, not really forced, but, you know, role play forced to feel sexual pleasure. And it takes away the shame of, oh, I'm doing this, you know, if they have a lot of shame about sex. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's so many different ways to use kink in the BDSM world. One thing that I really, really love about that community is consensual sex is very well talked about boundaries mm-hmm. and they have a lot of foundations that help right? foundations that I think everybody should use, but they follow that helps keep the uh, experience safe for everybody. Yeah. I feel like that's actually something that, you know, the kink community BDSM can get kind of a lot of damaging talk about it, but yet they do consent in discussion and communication way better than the the people that are not in that community because we're so not taught better. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the aftercare, you know, making sure that mm-hmm. you're caring for your partner afterwards and talking about, okay, what was that experience like for you? There's, those are so many aspects of the BDSM community that I idolize and that I think are really great for us to be using everywhere. Oh, absolutely. I just, interesting to me that there's so many people out there that think it's like not normal people don't do that. You know, there's like this attitude and normal people don't do that, you know? (laughs) Well, and the reality is I had done an episode about this, but most of us have a kink Mm -hmm. and it's anything that is not considered. uh, I don't want to use the word normal, but anything that you consider taboo is a kink. So Mm. for some people that can be feet, we can talk about balloon play. Some people may like Mm. balloons in the bedroom. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, spanking, choking, mm-hmm. asphyxiation. Yeah. Those are all different types of kinks. Absolutely. And we are all way more kinkier than what we are led to believe. <laughs> I think that's true. And yes, there's, there really is no normal. It's like just a false falsehood. Yeah, absolutely. There's no such thing as normal. <laughs> we're all we're all just here enjoying ourselves and whatever you like is normal. Absolutely. And there is definitely somebody out there that likes the same thing that you like and that's normal and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. What's something that you find it seems to be like the biggest problem that you come across? In which way? In your you know, I'm sorry, in your intimacy coach a physician. Yeah. So as an intimacy coach, I would say that the biggest thing that I see is women that are disconnected from their bodies Mm, and not feeling connected to their partners. That's probably the biggest thing that I see. Um, The other thing that I see is concerns about desire and Mm. lack of desire. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a huge, huge thing that I also see. And what do you have those people do if they, they feel like their desire is less than they want it to be. So one exercise that I love, this is from the book Pussy. Um, I can't remember her name who wrote the book, but Pussy, a reclamation of- Oh, I just heard about that book. I need to get that book. I just heard about that one. Yes. So one of the things that she recommends in there is thinking about your pussy or your vulva daily. Mm. And a lot of times like- the more you think about it, the more present it's on your mind. And then a lot of times that does have an impact on your desire because you're like, Mm. what's happening down there? And so really strengthening the connection to yourself Mm. and your vulva can be really helpful for increasing desire. Yeah. Um, The other really important thing when it comes to desire, especially for women, is that there are a lot of medications that can impact that. Mm-hmm. And your sex drive and your ability to orgasm, all of that. So birth control is huge. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of women are on birth control, but that can have a huge impact on how interested we are in sex. It also can have an impact on our ability to orgasm. So many ways that that alone can have an impact. Mm. Then you start looking at medical conditions and other things. You know, if you're having pain with sex, if you have endometriosis and you're having pain with sex. It's probably going to affect your desire as well. Oh, absolutely. I don't so know how it couldn't. Yeah. So it really just depends on, is there something medical potentially going on? Are there other mm-hmm. medications going on? And it's so much more than, oh, just think about, think about your vulva. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that may help for some people, but is there something else going on? Right. And is there some sort of block that needs to be worked through? You know, maybe you, depending on how you were raised, an example would be that you were taught that you should not receive pleasure or that receiving pleasure was bad. So now you've kind of maybe shut that off. And so it depends and it's so much more than just a simple answer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very complex. There's definitely things to work through, but things to consider and think about. I mean, I think too, when I was talking with someone a few interviews back, they were talking about how masturbating daily can actually increase your libido. Yeah. And I think that kind of falls under the same area of if you're thinking about it more, Mm -hmm. then it's kind of on your mind more. 
Sure. For for some people that may work. For others that may may not work. So like for me, I'm a daily masturbator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that it makes me less interested in partnered sex mm. because I am getting my needs met. Sure. So I think it kind of just depends as well, which could be mm-hmm. a benefit. You know, if you're single and you're not, ha- you don't have a sexual partner, that right. might not be a bad thing. Right. Or you have mismatch in, in libido and desire to have sex. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yep. There's nothing wrong in getting your pleasure. Yeah. You just, I mean, you don't want to ignore your partner, but, <laughs> but yeah, you gotta find that happy medium. Well, and I think that it's normalizing that more than likely you and your partner are not going to have the same beliefs on pleasure and mm-hmm. desire. Like they're not, you're not going to have the same desire amounts. You're not going to want to do the same things, right? but it's working as a team to really figure out what works for your relationship. Yeah. And what do you want to do to make it work for the two of you? You know, right. does that mean that maybe somebody masturbates more? Okay, fine. Or, you know, what does that look like? And, and every relationship can look however you want it to be. There is no, all relationships look like this. Right. You can cultivate that to look whatever meets your needs and desires. Absolutely. Well, I would love for you to talk about some of the things you offer, like you offer a few courses, right? I do. I do. So I have a couple courses. Get the Sex You Desire is currently enrolling depending on when this podcast drops. And that is a group program all about how to discover your desires. We go through a want, will, won't list. We work on the erotic blueprints. All of those things are in there to help you discover what really turns you on and turn turns you off. And then I also have a program called Period Power, which is a self-paced program all about understanding your menstrual cycle and the role that your menstrual cycle has in your day-to-day life, as well as sex and intimacy which is super juicy. And then, <laughs> and then I also work with women individually as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's one question I want to ask quick is period sex. Some people are turned off by that, but I have recently heard something about how it's actually, it can actually feel better for yes. the, the woman or the person with a vulva. Yeah, it absolutely can. So for some individuals who have vulvas, the way the uterus becomes kind of boggy beforehand, it can tilt a little bit and put mm. more pressure on the G spot and ultimately increase pressure in the entire pelvic floor, which can be more pleasurable for some people. Not mm. everybody, but mm-hmm. it is possible for some individuals to feel that. Oh, that's a good reason to shed any shame about having relations during your, your menstruation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. That's, it's very interesting. I hadn't heard that before. So that was really interesting to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I am definitely team period sex on my uh, list of requirements for a partner. Yeah. That is yeah. a requirement to be open-minded about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've never shied away from it myself, but I know some people feel like it's like, you know, dirty or the wrong time or they flat out refuse to do it. Yeah. Yep. Well, is there anything else that you would like to talk about or touch on before we end? I don't think anything in particular. I think, you know, the biggest thing that I would hope that listeners get from today's episode is that really 
discovering what you want, discovering what turns you on is so important because if you don't know what turns you on, nobody else is going to be able to do that for you. And so take the time to discover yourself, whether that's with your hand, with a toy, whatever that looks like for you with a partner, but invest in your sexual self and explore what pleasure can look like for you. That sounds perfect and wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) More pleasure for all. Absolutely. So, so much more pleasure is, is possible if we just do it. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This has been so much fun. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody needs to check out your podcast, yes, Vaginas, Volvos, and Vibrators. Most podcast apps? Yes. iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Thank you. You have an amazing night. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to this discussion that I had with Jordan Donnell. I hope you found it informative, interesting, and gave you some amazing insights and things to try and think about, about your own sexuality for females and for men. If they can maybe understand their, their partner, if they're heterosexual, a little bit better. I hope you found it useful. I sure found it very useful to talk with her and I learned a lot. She's a great resource. Check her out on Instagram, Jordan Donnell, and in her podcast. Oh, all her links will be down in the podcast notes, as will be mine. So you can check out my books, my new book, Ruins Beach Getaway, and the first book, Ruins Cabin Getaway, which is a little bit more erotica. Um, Ruins Beach Getaway definitely has more romance. So I would call that one erotic romance. So check out our links down in the podcast notes. And thank you so much for joining us for this awesome interview. I hope you have a fucking awesome day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.